I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Another edition of Brewcast, and every week we get closer and closer to college football season. We've got some college football talk for you here today, a little college basketball talk, and we obviously have to talk a little baseball with the Michigan Wolverines men's baseball team reaching the College World Series for the first time since 1984. Welcome into Brewcast. I am Luke Giardi, joined as always by my co-host Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani. And guys, we got a lot to get to here today. Uh, Going to be a fun one. How you guys doing? Not too bad. It's nice to be back in the in the saddle in the routine, so to speak, uh, week to week here. So um, I'm feeling the football fever. I think we're going to try to do at least well in the dead season, do some sort of fun football type preview thing. Um, so we're going to do top five most, I almost said most interesting, most important Michigan football players for the season. Um, we're also, like you said, we're going to talk a little bit of baseball with uh, Brian Sikowski of perfect game. Uh, talk a little bit of Michigan baseball college world series. And I'm sure um, him and I will, or we'll be able to touch on some, and they'll be draft as well. So nice to be back. Nice to talk to you guys. And uh, hooray for the pod. We're back. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, it's it's weird. Last uh, last year, you know, it was we were a couple months into this, and we took that long break during the summer. And I think, uh, you know, part of it was we had we hadn't really gotten acclimated uh, to each other yet. But at the same time, um, I, I think the the content wasn't necessarily there really. Uh, it seems like this year, early on this summer, um, 
there's been a lot of dominoes falling and there's been a lot of interesting news stories. Obviously everything was kind of kicked off by uh, the news of Beeline leaving, but it seems like we've got news uh, from the, the football front. We've got news from the basketball front and uh, all of a sudden, and we'll talk about this in a bit from the baseball front. Uh, so the plenty of talk about still, even in these uh, early summer months. Yeah. Shout and, out know, to the news. Shout out to the news cycle for keeping us on track. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I kind of I kind of want to kick it off with baseball. Obviously, we're going to get a little more in depth because I am not an expert on this Michigan baseball team by any stretch, but just as a casual fan, you know, watching and and rooting for this team, man, that's a lot of fun because they uh, obviously in that second game against Creighton had a chance to go three and zero in the regional and win it. They kind of gave it up in the ninth there against Creighton and then turned around and and. Molly Wapton was 17 to six final, but then to go on the road to UCLA and beat the number one overall seed two out of three times to make it three out of four. They took on the season against the Bruins. Like how can you not love and jump on the bandwagon of this team? Yeah, that this is one of the things where it bums me out that sports like baseball, softball, hockey, as it pertains to Michigan, all, all three of those. And I, I'm not, I'm not trying to exclude anyone else, but like those three in general, are three sports that are like me personally, I'm pretty interested in, but there's just not a lot of buzz or really a lot of coverage of it. Like there's not really places to go to watch these games during the season. Unless you go there, I, I think there's some sort of audio stream or radio broadcast, but it's just not the same as, you know, seeing it, having it shoved down your throats every day, like, you know, tigers baseball or, um, you know, the red wings or things like that. Um, so I, I wish there was a little more, a bit more pub there. And yeah, I run, you know, we run a Michigan site. We work for a Michigan site. We do a Michigan podcast. Um, But so it feels like we should be more in tune with this than we are. But at the same time, I think the three of us, I'm not trying to put words in anyone's mouth or put labels, but I think we pretty closely resemble what the average person that follows the university or the average fan would think of. And I think in a lot of ways, um, well, many ways. The baseball team has kind of snuck up on us. We, the softball team is the one that, that's more known for, right. uh, you know, making the runs and things like that. But, um, you know, I think, and with this this interview that we wind up doing uh, in this episode, we're going to take the approach of, like, getting the casual fan, like, up to speed. Uh, so something I want to, like, really hammer home is we are not experts on this. Brian, to a certain extent, may not even be an a subject matter expert on it, though he's you know far more qualified than any of us are. But um, I really want to you know want to get everyone up to speed before this weekend because you know it's the runs are cute and all that, but once you get to Omaha, it's it's pretty big business. So um, I'm excited for it. Like watching, I'm a huge baseball guy. I, arguably, maybe my favorite sport. Chris, that's ob- obviously if you follow him on Twitter, you know that's the case. Um, and Luke, I know you're a baseball fan as well. So it's like, I'm, I'm very much here for this. I just wish I knew more about it and, uh, you know, excited for the crash course though. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a part of, there's a big part of me really that, that feels guilty kind of be, especially being the, the baseball fan that I am. I, I, you know, I feel, I feel bad for the fact that in order for these, these teams like the softball team or the baseball team or the hockey team, in order for them just to get discussed, on not just even a podcast like ours, but really by the but by the Detroit media in general, uh, they have to be elite. They have to well, they have to be better than elite. I, I mean that they, they have to um, 
they have to climb the mountaintop essentially. I mean, that it's it's like if imagine if we were in some alternate universe where football wasn't the most popular sport, and the only way we could talk about Michigan football would be if they made the college football playoff. Like it, it, so, and from that aspect, I feel bad. The but at the same time. Uh, it's not a sport that gets marketed very much, and it's not a sport that's televised very often. I think for a lot of people, the first chance uh, that any of them are going to have to be able to watch this team or any of them have been able to have uh, was probably watching the Big Ten tournament and or the NCAA tournament. And that that was really the first uh, exposure I got besides reading uh, articles and, and you know looking on, looking on the team website. I, I think uh, one thing I've noticed about this Michigan baseball team that I really like is uh, they got a lot of fight in them, man. They got they got some stones. I mean, they have. Uh, I thought after they just completely collapsed in that ninth inning against Creighton, it, I all in almost always in circumstances like that, especially in college, uh, it's so tough for a team to mentally get prepared to come back for another game when you feel like you should have won the night before. I mean, you see that in the pros even. Um, and the same thing happened against UCLA. You know, they made uh, – you could see that they got nervous there near the end of that second game, five errors after the eighth inning. And I thought the way they responded was masterful, a, a really solid pitching performance by Tommy Henry. And, uh, I mean, just really timely hitting and some incredible high-leverage uh, clutch pitching. Uh, it, and it was uh, – it was it's spectacular, and it's great to see. Uh, it's something that has not happened very often. I mean – Last time this team won the World Series or made it to the World Series, the Tigers were about to win the World Series. So I mean, it's been a long time, but uh, you know, I'm really happy to hear about it. I think it's it's obviously great for the program, and I'm not one of those root for the Big Ten guys, but it's great for the Big Ten. I mean, not only is this the first time Michigan's made it since uh, 1984, uh, this is the second Big Ten team to make it since 1984. The the other one, I believe, in 2013, when Indiana had uh, Kyle Schwarber, they made it. So this is a pretty, this is a really big deal. And and it's been fun to watch. And I I hope the success continues in Omaha. Absolutely, man. It's, it it has been a blast. Yeah, I think you put it perfectly, Chris. Like, it's just fun when, when things like this happen. And it kind of brings me back to just being a sports fan, right? Like, we, think about how we all felt after the Ohio state football game. You know, do you ever just think, man, sometimes it's just like too much emotional investment because this was just fun to watch. If they lose, they lose. It was a good run. You know, it's, it's like, sometimes I feel like we put too much stock into some college kids. Yeah, no, I I understand. And, and yeah, with, especially with football recently, We've, I feel like we've had a lot of those games in the last, I mean, Jesus, 15 years really, but, but I feel like especially in the Harbaugh era, now that they've been more competitive and they've teased us a lot more with greatness only to come up short, there have been a lot of those days or several days where we've been, man, this, uh, you know, I love them. I want to root for them, but this is tough. Uh, and you know, to watch a team that, you know, like this, that if they win, great. If they lose, well, they had a great great run. Uh, everything else is kind of gravy at this point. So it's it's fun to watch. Yeah, and I think the other thing that the sports like softball, baseball, hockey, that they kind of do is, you know, when you watch those games, and really baseball in general, college baseball, baseball in general is a sport. Like there's not, you know, from college football to NFL, you have – um, you know, different rule changes. You have the targeting stuff. You have different overtime rules. You have, you know, you need to get one foot down to get a catch instead of two feet. Whereas baseball, 
what's really the only difference in college baseball is they use the metal bats. Like, yeah. so it's, um, it's, there's not different rules to learn. And I think what some of these other sports, I won't call them the non-revenue sports because I think Michigan pretty much makes money across the board. Um, I think it hammers home the idea that college athletics is amateurism. So the, um, the raw emotion, the, the plays that are being made, the runs these teams go on, they're being gone on by college kids. And I think that the big business of college football and um, you know, college basketball sort of takes that away from it. I mean, you, I, you still get that in the, like the NCAA tournament when you see an upset, but a lot of those guys that you see playing college basketball in one or two years are going to be playing in the NBA. So they're pros right away. Michigan only has, you know, for baseball, we'll only have a handful of pro players. So it's not like top to bottom. You're not watching guys that you're going to be watching, you know, play 162 games at the next level. So I think that's what it hammers home to. Um, it's just, it's just fun at, at, you know, at one part of it, you get, you feel guilty that you haven't fouled it all along, but on the other hand, it is kind of fun for them to come out of nowhere and then yeah. randomly on a, you know, a Saturday night in you know early June, there's, you have something to watch. You have something to kind of sink your teeth into. Um, it's not their fault that it's not marketed more. Um, but at the same time, like if for normal, there are people out there that their life is nothing but sports and their life is nothing but university of Michigan sports. And that's awesome. And I, I love those people. They're some of our best readers, some of our best listeners. Um, but for the average person, anything outside of like the big four sports and then college football, college basketball is just like overload. Like think of your brain, like a glass of water where you overflow the, the glass and water starts pouring out of the sides. Like it just, when your life is nothing but sports, it kind of loses meaning a bit. So I think that's where it's kind of cool to, you know, it is a nice little palate cleanser and things like that. And let me say this too, uh, random thought that just popped up. You know, we talk about how, you know, we're, we're covering the games now because they matter and things, not that the games before don't matter, but um, people have asked me like, where's the hockey coverage? Where's the softball coverage? Where's the basketball coverage? Or I'm sorry, the baseball coverage. Um, I've, it is, it is so hard to find people that will even write consistently about the sports we do cover. If there's anyone out there that wants to write about Michigan baseball, Michigan softball, Michigan hockey, that invite is open to you. Like I am, we are not unwilling to cover that at all. Cause we do want to be as informative as we can be. And um, you know, if we're on a team earlier in the year and we know they're good, like Brian told me earlier in the year, I told you this team was going to be good. And I was like, ah, it just kind of fell by the wayside. Like, I'd like to be the outlet that tells people, Hey, I told you they were good in January. So if there's anybody out there that's interested in it, like, please feel free to hit us up. Like that's very much open and available to you. Well, moving on to the, uh, as, as we get excited about the college world series, as we know, uh, football still is going to reign King forever, no matter what, especially with, with this fan base. Good news is, uh, Michigan heavily favored to start very well this year. They're opening with a night game. At the Big House, Middle Tennessee State, whopping 30-point favorites against Middle Tennessee in that opening game. So, obviously, Vegas thinks pretty highly uh, of the Wolverines as as we've seen you know, their win total odds, odds to win the Big Ten, things like that. But a 30-point favorite in a single game against Middle Tennessee State, uh, that's, that's pretty pretty substantial. 
Yeah, that is, especially when you consider this will really be, and I know they're they're probably going to do a couple open practices and they're going to keep installing this offense, but 30 points when you're still getting your feet wet in a new offense, and mind you, it is an offense that is conducive to scoring more points than they have, but I mean, you know, right off the bat, you say, oh, they'll, pro- they'll cover that, but you, you don't know, and it's impossible to tell right now anyways, but um, anytime you open up the year, that substantial of a favorite, um, you know, it's, you kind of assume that a blowout is going to happen now, obviously in the past being favored by a lot of points has caused some stress, uh, in games where that have been much closer than they should have been. But you know, anytime you see 30 points, you're like, okay, well opening, it's going to be a night game, but opening night could be pretty fun if they put up, you know, 60, 70 points, especially I'm sure most of the people that are there, or maybe not most of them, that's, that's a blanket statement, but many of the people there will be, you know, I don't know how else to put it. They'll be trashed. They'll be hammered. <laughs> so they'll be, they'll be there for all of that. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, 30 points. That tells me there's a good chance we could see Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton play, which anytime those guys can get game reps, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. I, I mean, you bring up that Michigan has had some stress and, uh, some games they were favored to win by, uh, in which they were favored to win by a lot. But I think more often than not, one thing you could say about Harbaugh, uh, more so than, uh, you know, Lloyd Lloyd's teams would drive me nuts with this, and obviously hoax teams as well, is uh, when Harbaugh's foot is on the gas, he he doesn't like to step on the brakes. I, yeah. like, they've had a lot of games like Western last year and pretty much any time they play Rutgers and, you know, (laughs) Maryland and Minnesota a few years ago, like they, when they get up by 21, they aren't, they don't necessarily keep it there. Um, And they, the Harbaugh's got a routine and the offense, uh, they they don't like to take knees (laughs) that they, they're going to run their offense until the very end, even if it's with second string guys. So, I mean, you look at even the Wisconsin game last year, they just ran it up near the end. So, um, and Penn state, obviously. So, uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, I I don't put that much into betting odds and sports gambling, but I mean, it, it shows, uh, though, if there's, uh, that there's still a belief in this team, uh, there's still a belief that Michigan football is going to be elite this year. I mean, is it a misguided belief? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I can't tell you. I don't know. I don't even know how I feel at this point. So, uh, but you know, 30 points to open good. I, yeah, I, I actually think I expect them to cover that. I really do. I don't know how good middle Tennessee state is, but, um, they're prone to an upset, especially in basketball. Got to get that in there. Um, <laughs> shout out, Giddy, shout out, Giddy Potts. Exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I think it's it's cool. You know, it's a start. It'll be more interesting yeah. to see where they open up against uh, you know other teams. I yeah, and I think that uh, something that I mean, a lot of times people see point spreads and take it as oh, Vegas is predicting that Michigan will win by thirty. Point spreads are predicated on where the money is going. So I don't like I said. I I mean. Most to a certain to a certain that. extent, they have to. They're they're usually pretty close on the betting line because you want around even money. If a line is too out of whack, you're going to get more way more money on one side that they think is going to be the winning side. So it's a yeah. decent barometer. Yeah, it, it is. But you know, rarely they they're so spot on. Most it's it's scary how accurate Vegas is. I mean, whenever you you know see the bad beats or 
or any of that stuff and, and see how close some of these games can be. Um, it's, it's scary how accurate they can be at times. Uh, but you also, you never really see a game totally obliterate the spread. Um, I mean, when teams win like 77 to nothing, like, yeah, that's an example of it, but you never, you don't see that a whole lot. And you also don't see games like woefully under the spread, unless it's like a big 10 game between Illinois and Northwestern. Like it just, it is what or it is, unless but, Michigan um, goes into the horseshoe favored by like two and a half and loses 62-39. What? Well, we said that historically that that's that's history. It doesn't happen a whole <laughs> lot, which makes it even more frustrating. But um where was I going with it? Oh, to Chris's point. Um yeah, to to Michigan's credit, under Jim Harbaugh, they not only win the games that they're supposed to win, most of the time they do it pretty thoroughly. Um I don't want to say to a fault, but it's funny how in a lot of those games against, you know, the Rutgers of the world, uh, you know, the Western Michigans of the world, the Hawaii's of the world is when you see like the two point conversion and the, you know, going forward on fourth and one or fourth and whatever. But then when they get into some of those big games that they've lost, like against Ohio state, a couple times against Michigan state, they won't be aggressive. It's so strange that it's like they're overly aggressive against teams that have no chance but then overly conservative when someone's got a fighting chance. So yep. we'll see when that, if that changes, but um, that's always kind of the frustrating it, thing to me. Like, I think it's a, I think it's a decent barometer. It's going to be a decent barometer. You think back to two years ago and the struggles uh, against teams like air force and, and things like that, that Michigan really struggled with against some inferior opponents or what we perceive to be inferior opponents. They struggled against Purdue for a while. Um, and I get the writing was on the wall that that 2018 team or excuse me, a 2017 team just wasn't all that good, you know, but then in 2018, yeah, when, sure. when they're, when they're dominating a lot of these opponents, that was a good, pretty good indication that, yeah, this team could ball kind of similar to 2016. Yeah. With anything else, you look for trends. I mean, people forget before Ohio state did what they did to Michigan last year. Like they, Lost to they lost to Purdue, right? Was that last year or two years ago? Ohio State, yeah, last year last they got, year they got murdered. Okay, and then the year the year before that was Northwestern. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't. It was someone, whatever. So you look for sample sizes. Like Ohio State struggled in in certain games last year, but then blew the doors off teams and other like you look for you look for trends, and all you can really hope for is that even if the team struggles early on, like say Michigan only beats Middle Tennessee. 26 to 7 well, or something Well, like look that. back on it. So Michigan, they remember they struggled with Cincinnati mightily. Then they struggled with Air Force. Then they struggled with Purdue, all headed into that Michigan State game. Like, the writing was yeah. on the wall there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's, what, like, with trends, you can – that's where people are like, oh, non-conference doesn't really matter. But it kind of does because I feel you feel a lot – I mean – Hot take, you feel a lot more comfortable about a team when they blow the doors off someone as opposed to when they win 27-24. Like, that's just yeah. kind of how it is. Um, that's how math works. But, um, you know, you can always you can always tell. Like, if a team struggles in, like that 2017 team did in non-conference play, I mean, in the back of your mind, you know what you're working with there. Um, so, I don't know. It's it. I think... I don't really worry about Michigan and openers uh, because I think that they're fired up. They're ready to go. They're obviously way more talented. Um, it's more like the second or third game that you see some struggles and people freak out and you just hope that it's an aberration. 
and that's all you can really do. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm jazzed for it. I uh, ready to see it, ready to see it fly. All right. Well, we need to take a quick break here on Brewcast. And when we, when we return, Anthony, tell them about that great interview we got coming up. All right. Yeah. I'll be talking to uh, Brian Sikowski of Perfect Game USA about Michigan baseball, getting you up to speed on that, giving an average fan up to speed, kind of your little cramming session before the weekend. We'll also talk a little bit of MLB draft, uh, probably geared more toward Tigers, but we'll talk some of your other teams as well. Michigan has a big fan base, so a lot of people uh, team have questions about their teams. So we'll talk about that uh, when we're back for the break. Keep it here on Brewcast. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, next up here on Brewcast, as we teased in the last segment here, a little bit of college baseball talk, a little bit of baseball talk in general. Not really a sport that uh, gets discussed much on this podcast, but with Michigan in the College World Series, with the MLB draft just wrapping up, bringing on a friend of mine, someone I've known for a while, and someone who is, uh, I don't know, can I call you a rising star in the, the ranks, or how, how do you want me to put that? <laughs> I'm just I'm just a scout who happens to get his reports read by the rest of the country instead of a general manager. That's all it is, man. No, no big yeah, well, deal. <laughs> well, with us is uh, Brian Sikowski. He is the national scouting supervisor at Perfect Game USA. I could follow him on Twitter at Brian underscore Sikowski underscore PG. Uh, like I said before, good to have you here. I uh, haven't chatted voice to voice with you in a while, but we do talk a uh, decent amount. Usually when I have stupid like farm system questions about my team, our team, really. Actually, the last time you and I talked like voice to voice, we may have both been uh, intoxicated. Um, There's a good chance of that. He, we are also <laughs> CMU guys, as are my other two co-hosts. So um, there's a really good chance of that. So And we're both uh, good to- alums, man. Like it's in our genetics at this point, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wear that as a badge. I wear it as a badge of honor. Like Absolutely. I just kind of have to own it. So you own it. Uh, but this might be our first quote unquote professional uh, conversation. That's for the masses. So um, we'll clean up the content a little bit there. But uh, all right. So my first question for you, let's just hop right into it. So sure. 
we've talked about this before uh, via text, but this is uh, right now. I'm going to give you the floor right off the bat. This is your chance to scold me for not being more woke to this Michigan baseball team when you told me back in January that they were going to be good. So I'm going to give you the floor for that right now. Well, you know, like uh, you're my boy, and I know that you run obviously one of the most popular Michigan sports sites in in the oh, internet stop. sphere. Uh, oh, a, stop. a big Mason Brew fan. A big Mason Brew fan. Um, so I, you know, I thought I'd give you the heads up, like, Hey man, like, you know, we're picking Michigan to win the big 10 D one baseball's picking Michigan to win the big 10, like a lot of talent there, you know, going to have some draft guys, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Coach package is doing a fantastic job. Just a heads up. Like if you want to do some baseball coverage this year would probably, probably be the year. Fast forward six months, Michigan's in the College World Series. <laughs> so it's all right. It's all right. I get it. Well, here's the thing. And um, I forget which portion of the – I either already said it on the portion of the podcast that people have listened to or you'll hear it after this interview in the chronological order. But so I did – now I do recall that conversation now. I know before I said it just kind of poured out of my brain. Um I tried to get a baseball writer, a softball writer, because I mean, I'll be, I, I, I just don't have the time to do it. Um, so I did try and it just didn't have that many bites. Um, but we're doing it now, which, hey, better late than never. Um, and, and also the message I put out there is if there are any baseball, softball, you know, hockey, any other sports people out there that want to write about that, we are open to that. And I, I welcome that because we're in dead season right now uh, for football, for basketball. Um, and thankfully the news cycle has kind of kept us on track in terms of, you know, content for the podcast and all that. So yeah, that's my little PSA for that, but okay, good. We got that out of the way. So let's get into baseball stuff now. Um, now as a baseball guy, and this is more state of the game, state of whatever you want to call it. And this is your job. This is your life. So I don't want this to be taken as a slight or anything, but does it bother you? Not only the lack of attention that really the college game gets, you know, receives whatever you want to say and, and how poorly marketed major league baseball seems to be right now. Like does that bother you? Because to me, this seems like when you look at what's in the major leagues now and compared to, you know, what's in the farm systems now, what's coming up through the college ranks, it's a really exciting time. It's really young, marketable players. It just feels like it's like Lucy pulling the way the football from Charlie Brown. They just don't know how to get it right. Yeah. And it's tough, man, especially, especially given how good the talent is now. It's you know, like Mike Trout would hit 600 if he played in the fifties. Like, yeah, you know, like uh, Justin Verlander would have 17 no hitters a year if he played in the 50s, and we we all want to talk about the oh well the greatest the golden generation of baseball and like that's all well and good man I get it you know some of the greatest players of all time come from that era and I have nothing but respect for that I've done a lot of reading on on those eras of baseball and all that but you know these the guys playing now are bigger they're faster. They hit the ball harder. They hit the ball farther. They throw the ball harder. You know, it's it's any time baseball doesn't get enough credit for like having absolute freaks of athleticism playing it. And I understand that it's harder for just like the average sports fan to notice how incredibly talented a baseball player is, as opposed to how incredibly talented a football player is, or a basketball player, or a hockey player, or whatever. 
so yeah, it's frustrating when you're like, you know, we're literally, you know, like Joe DiMaggio, all intents and purposes, you know, one of the greatest players of all time, you know, like Joe DiMaggio would be like a fifth outfielder today. You know, it's just Babe Ruth. You think Babe Ruth is catching up to 103? <laughs> There's no chance, you know. So yeah. it's, it's well, those dudes were all it, those dudes were all hammered when they played too. Yeah, and and I, and some people may make the argument that that made the game better, and I would hear that argument. <laughs> but so it's just it's frustrating <laughs> for me. It's frustrating for me just, and it's frustrating for a lot of people in baseball who, you know, and I I understand that it's harder to appreciate it because it's not as right smack in the face as the other sports is are. But yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, I wish people got more into it. And I right back to what you said with the marketing, that's major league baseball's fault. Like that is on major league baseball. The more people aren't into the game. I could not agree with you more there. Um, so let's go, let's get back into Michigan now. So for people who haven't followed this team and this is a team that I don't like, I've sort of been in on I not totally in on them all year but you follow the road but I think really with this with the spotlight being on them really the last I don't know month or so or however long it's been what sticks out to me is is how much fight they have you know there's been some really tough moments for them I mean as recent as this weekend you had the you know the five errors and the ten walks and the the game that they sort of blew against UCLA but you know as a whole this is a team that fights back through adversity and, and that's certainly impressive but I guess what my question to you would be is describe to the person who is just kind of like oh shit like here they are they're in the college world series like what do i need to know about this team just can you kind of describe to us the road that they've taken so far and and what has made this run so impressive for them yeah it's they have had one of the best starting rotations in college baseball uh all season long and that's that's been a strength of theirs that's been something that's carried them at times uh you know the carl kaufman and tommy henry the first two guys in the rotation were both second rounders last week. And Jeff Criswell, who's the number three starter as a sophomore, he's looking like he's going to be a top two round guy next year. Uh, so that type of talent at the top of the rotation is not something very commonly found in the Big Ten. It's not something very commonly found in the Midwest in general. And all three of those guys are Michigan guys. Paul Coffin with the brother Wrights and, and Tommy Henry and uh, Jeff Criswell are both from Portage. All three Michigan guys, homegrown, developed at U of M, now they're dudes. Uh, and that's a testament to the, the player development that they do at Michigan, that, that pitching coach Chris Fetter does at Michigan. Um, but other than that, it's, they have some really exciting offensive players. A lot of them are sophomores. Uh, Jordan Awogu is like worth the price of admission on his own. Uh, he's a sophomore outfielder. He's an Ann Arbor guy. He went to Pioneer High School. He looks like but he looks like a running back. He looks like, you know, he should be suiting up for Harbaugh. It's 6'2", 235, and I'd make the case he's the strongest player in college baseball. He looks like an M1 Abrams tank running around the outfield. And just an exciting athlete, like really, really powerful right-handed hitter, lots of juice. Uh, I don't want to get, like, too scouty here, but he's exciting to watch, and they have it up and down the lineup. They're athletes, and they hit home runs, and – they steal bases and they play really good defense and their starting rotation is great. And the only, if you want to call it a flaw is the bullpen is not all that deep. And that's, you know, every team going into Omaha has, has a weakness and you could probably point to Michigan's bullpen being a little light. Um, but other than that, man, it, 
anytime you turn on the TV and they're playing and one of their starting pitchers is a high draft guy, they're the middle of their lineup are all high draft potential guys. That doesn't happen in the Big Ten. So it's it's especially exciting for Michigan fans, especially exciting for baseball fans, even if you know you don't care about Michigan or, or the school or anything like that. It would be fun for you to watch because of how talented they are as a team. Yeah, so the team that they'll they that they will find themselves up against this weekend, they're going to be going up against Texas Tech. What can you tell us about the Red Raiders uh, and a team, or really a, a university that they are uh, running into again in a championship format? Uh, a couple months ago, it was basketball that didn't turn out well. Uh, <laughs> is it going to be much better for them uh, on the baseball side of things? How do you feel about this matchup? I think it's a pretty good matchup for Michigan. It's going to be fun to watch is what it's going to be. As I think that Michigan's strengths against Texas Tech's strengths is going to be really fun to watch. They, they're bangers, Texas Tech is. They like to hit the ball out of the ballpark. they got a bunch of big physical donkeys in the lineup who hit the ball really, really far. So it's going to be fun to see. And Michigan went down there this year. They played a three-game series in Lubbock as a non-conference series earlier this year. Um so there's some history there just three months ago. It's going to be fun to watch how um, the Texas Tech bats play in a significantly larger stadium than their home park. Uh, TD Ameritrade in Omaha is a massive ballpark. It is not a hitter-friendly ballpark. So that may help Michigan a little bit in that their arms are, are their strength. And, and Texas Tech, like, like I said, they like to drive the ball out. So we'll see how that works, but it's, you know, it's power on power at that point. It's Carl Kaufman throwing 95 mile an hour sinkers and Josh Young, who's Texas Tech shortstop. He was the number eight overall pick, uh, one of the best hitters in the country. We'll see how he can turn it around. Or, or it's the, the individual matchups along with the the strength on strength and the week on week, and it, it's a it really is a fascinating matchup just down the board. All right. Well, let's pivot to something way less interesting but a local team uh that many of you know many michigan fans are are no doubt detroit tiger fans i'm a tiger fan you grew up a tiger fan our our other two co-hosts are tiger fans so sorry if you're a fan of another team but we're just going to go there here so mlb draft was last week uh 40 rounds is it yes sir man i (laughs) kudos to you guys i don't know how I don't know how you could scout that many players, um, but let, let's take a look at the Tigers. So obviously um, not good right now. One of the worst teams in baseball, but they are in a rebuild slash tank. So it's to be expected. Uh, it's kind of by design that they're bad right now, but really it seemed like they prioritized what they needed to prioritize over, you know, last week. And that was maybe, I mean, maybe not the most polished, prospects but adding a lot of pop to their system a lot of power uh what was your i mean you start off with riley green right at the top of the draft but the class as a whole riley green uh how do you feel about the direction they took the the mlb draft well they went into the draft with the intention of adding bats to the system they've gone arm heavy the last couple years and that's produced some fruit obviously like casey mize is one of the best prospects in baseball matt manning is one of the best prospects in baseball after a rough year last year, Alex Fiedo looks pretty good again. Uh, those are their last three first-rounders. But now, you know, they went into the draft saying, we need to add some bats, we need to stock the system with some bats, and while you don't draft for need in the MLB draft, you draft best player available, you can still have an approach. 
and they they definitely got their guy in Riley Green. I think he would have been the pick unless Andrew Vaughn or J.J. Bleday were there, and they weren't. They were taking a three and four. Um, so they, and it's been written about a ton how how long they've liked Riley Green and how, how long they've been in on this guy and how much they've scouted him and how much they've devoted into getting to know his family and how sure they are of this pick. And that's, you know, I'm with them. I've seen Riley Green a ton over the years. I saw the first time I saw him, he was 14 years old, and I was like, man, this kid can hit. And fast forward four years later, he's the fifth overall pick and signed for $6.2 bucks or whatever it was, and they're hoping that he's the – the guy they're hoping that he's the the number three hitter and right fielder who hits 300 with 25 or 30 bombs a year for 10 years that that's what the expectation is that's what the upside is you know you're hoping that he's jd martinez but from the left side of the plate and with better defense you know you're hoping that this guy is a perennial all-star that, that's what you're you're picking at number five when you take a high school bat and you know that, that's his upside i don't disagree with that at all it's just, you know, as a high school kid, it's going to take a little while. Um, so, and it's going to be a little while before they're good again anyway. So, and then you look at the, the next several rounds, they took college bats. They took guys who have major league upside, even if it's not substantial upside. They didn't really go for risk much, but they took guys who can swing it and guys who swing it in big conferences and, and guys who should be major leaguers in some capacity. And, um, you hope that Casey Mize and Matt Manning and Alex Fiedo and, and whoever else are, are ready to go in 2021 or whatever it is. Those college bats are ready to go in some capacity. And then 2022, Riley Green's knocking on the door. And all of a sudden, here we are, we have a contender. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I thought they did what they had to do. I don't know if you, you can't grade a draft. You know this doing the NFL stuff, man. Like, it as hard as it is to grade an NFL draft the day after the draft, multiply that times five with baseball because these guys are so far away. There's no minor leagues in football. You know, when the, whoever the Minnesota Vikings took in the first round, you expect that dude to be a starter day one. Yeah. And in, yeah. Base, in baseball, you can't do that. You know, so it's we'll see. We're still we're still determining if 2016 was a good draft, you know. Just so, but but I I liked the draft from my perspective. I've seen a lot of those guys play. I've scouted a lot of those guys. They all, according to the draft board we made, they all made pretty good picks. If that means anything to you, um, so yeah, no, I, I thought they did what they had to do. Um, it wasn't necessarily sexy, but they got done what they needed to get done. Okay, and I like the college bats thing too because it reminds me a lot of. I mean, you use the NFL draft parallel here, but it reminds me when you you take the power bats from the big conferences, reminds me of drafting any defensive player as a football player that came out of the SEC. Like that's just kind of what you're going for. Those guys that have been there, that have done it, and they've done it against good teams. So I totally, I think that comparison is spot on. So, but we have we have fans of other teams that listen to the show. Michigan's a big fan base, obviously. Any time, anywhere in the country they go, if they could go to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, and, and there'll be there's a pocket of fans out there. So uh, we know that there are Michigan fans everywhere, and they have other teams they root for. So let's talk MLB draft as a whole. Uh, doesn't have to be too in depth, but um, you know what's a what's your general take on the winners and losers from the draft? I know you said it's hard to grade a draft, uh, but I'm going to make you do that because that was the question I put on the list. Uh. Well, I mean, I, we had, 
Adley Rutschman is the best player in the draft, and, and uh, the Orioles took him at first overall, so you have to consider them a winner. They got the best player. Uh, and the Royals at number two, you could make that argument as well. Bobby Witt Jr. was the best high school player in the draft, and they took him. So right off the bat, you got to look at those two. And, and um, geez, man, the Diamondbacks had a ton of picks. I thought they did pretty well with their picks. They, they took some high upside guys. They mixed it in with some some safer players. I think they did a good job mixing and matching. Um, I like what uh, the Braves did. They got a potential franchise catcher and a potential franchise second baseman in the first round. Um, it's tough to do that. <laughs> it's tough to it's tough to pair that up like that. But I think they did a really nice job. Um, if you are trying to think off the top of my head, if you're a Mariners fan, I thought they did a good job getting arms. Um, they did a really nice job as far as uh, bringing in impact potential starters to the system it's something that's tough to do and i think that they did it in the first couple rounds uh and let's just as a wild card the phillies took bryson stott at 14 we had him fifth on our board so so just from that perspective i think the phillies knocked that one out of the park he was one of my favorite players in the class he was the guy that like when we were kind of putting the board in its final shape there at the end i was like no you know i I don't really care what the rest of the industry says. I'm trusting my gut on this. Bryson side of five. And then he goes 14. So just there inherently is, is a ton of value just from my perspective. Uh, we could talk all day about that, man. Like, that's what I spend my whole year doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where you're at right now. Uh, we're doing this year in, what, Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. We uh, The draft year kind of our, – our big event, the National Showcase, is kind of the – the new year's day of the new draft cycle. So that's kind of what we're doing here. We're getting our, that's, we, we've seen all these players that's, before. Like, at, that's at perfect, crazy. You know, that's like, that's like, that's like having the senior bowl, like the day after the NFL draft. It's like, here we go. <laughs> next New draft year. Here we go. Yeah. That's, baseball's that's a little awesome, more psychopathic. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed that I had friends that played travel ball and I coached a little league for a bit. So that's not that, not that I'm, I have accolades close to yours, but just in that baseball, very, uh, <laughs> very crazy. Absolutely. All right, I'll get you out. Of, I'll get you out of here on this one. So let we'll, we'll, we'll tie a bow on all this with uh, college world series back to that. So let's hear your predictions for the weekend college world series in general. Uh, and any thoughts, final thoughts you may have on the field. Oh, geez, man. I, I I'm excited by a lot of the matchups that we're going to have here. Like I said, I think Michigan and Texas Tech is going to be a good one. The the biggest storyline, obviously, is Florida State. Um, Their head coach, this is his last season, Mike Martin. Uh, He's been there for 40 years. He's far and away the the most winningest head coach in history. He's won like over 2,000 games. It's ridiculous. But he's never won a national championship. He's been to Omaha a bunch of times. Uh, They've been runners-up before. He's never won the big dance. So this year, Florida State, like Michigan, was one of the last four teams into the tournament. And they went to Athens and absolutely rolled uh, Georgia, a really, really good team. And then they went to LSU last weekend in the Super Regional and just stomped them. So (laughs) Florida State's playing outside of their minds. It's Mike Martin's last season. Can they get it done? You know, that would be, you know, beyond movie ending. You couldn't even write that. 
you know, it's, it's too Hollywood perfect. Um, Vanderbilt was my preseason pick to win the national championship. They're in, uh, they're in Omaha. They're playing Louisville, another team who's really, really good. And then you're going to have an SEC matchup with Mississippi State and Auburn who don't like each other. And then I know that SEC football, it, it just means more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, SEC bias, blah, 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 blah. But the reality is in baseball, it is, you know, it, it very much is the, the cream of the crop. So when you get two SEC guys going at each other in Omaha, it just takes it to a different level. Um, there's going to be some fans yelling at each other. It, it's, yeah, it'll be a fun time, man. I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, you're not kidding about SEC baseball fans. Like there are, I know people who are fans of those schools down there and they could speak as eloquently and as well thought out of about their players as, as you can. It's, that's not a knock on you. I'm just like, no, they're crazy about that down there. And yeah, it's hey, good for that. That's awesome. I, I wish, I wish we had that up here. I really do because yeah, it's just, I, I respect good programs. They're built the right way. And, um, Coach, coaches doing that at Michigan. So it's honestly um, like right. uh, it's honestly like you know, obviously up up in Michigan and, and being Michigan fans and all that. Like we know how obsessive and, and stuff the Michigan football fan base is. How yeah. you know anal retentive and hanging on every oh my god is this kid transferring like that kind of stuff. That's how SEC baseball is. That, that's it. And I know that's hard to grasp sometimes, given where we're from and, and the programs that we're fans of and grew up being fans of. But that's how it is, man. Like these guys are in their message boards, like on MGo Blog, and they're yelling about if the hitting coach needs to be fired, just like Michigan fans are yelling about Doug Nussmeyer and different offensive coordinators. <laughs> like, like that's how it is. So it's actually it was actually kind of nuts my first introduction to it. But that's it. It is just just as rabbit. Well, the invite is out there. If you want to be nuts about Michigan uh, baseball, our comment sections at Maze and Brew are completely open to you or anyone. So, um, yeah, feel free to fire that up. But, all right, well, that's all I have for you. Uh, again, this has been Brian Sikowski, the National Scouting Supervisor. I don't know why I can't. It's late. I can't talk. Uh, at Perfect Game USA. You can follow him on Twitter at B underscore Sikowski underscore PG. Brian, man, thank you so much for your time. And we'll uh, – Love to have you on again soon. We've been talking about this for a while, but uh, we'll do it again. It won't take so sounds- long next time. <laughs> sounds good, dude. I appreciate you having me on. So great interview there, talking some Michigan Wolverines baseball, headed to the College World Series for the first time since 1984. Really informative stuff there, really gives you some in-depth and a, and a good look at this Michigan baseball team that, you know, by our accounts, we haven't been following as closely as we would have liked, but we went over some of the factors there uh, as to the reason. Would you guys, uh, any, any final thoughts on that interview? Well, you know what? You said, uh, you know, as close as we would have liked. Like, let's be real here. Most people, probably about 90% of the people, have not followed Michigan baseball. So, like, I'm not saying we're off the hook for that, but, um, you know, let's not let's not talk dog ourselves too much for that. <laughs> yeah, that, you're right. We'll, we'll, we'll let ourselves off the hook here. So, coming up, we got to take one more quick break here. And when we come back, this is going to be fun. We are going over our top five most important players to success for the Michigan football team in 2019. That's next on Brewcast. 
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Back in on Brewcast, Luke Giardi, Anthony Broom, and Chris Castellani as we hang out another week closer to the college football season and a really fun kind of segment that we've got rolling right now as we look ahead to fall camp starting in just two months' time. We're looking at the top five most important players to this Michigan football team here in 2019. And there's a, there were a lot of guys I was going over, you know, the roster from memory and things like that. There's a lot of guys that you could choose from. This is a pretty difficult list to put together. Yeah. Um, especially seeing as that when you go up, you know, you say you go up and down the roster from memory, this is a team that's replacing quite a bit. So not only are you remembering who's gone, but you're remembering who's there to fill those spots as well. So, um, it's going to be a very different team. It's usually kind of, I mean, it seems like the last few years it's been flipped where you have questions about the offense, but not the defense. Um, I've kind of been outspoken about the fact that I have probably more questions about Michigan's defense than I do the offense really the, with the offense to me, the biggest thing is going to be execution and just what they're trying to do, what their philosophy is. Whereas, you know, we know that Don Brown's defense will be fast and aggressive but could it be to a fault? Those are things that I'm kind of looking at. Um, so I think my list might wind up being a little bit different than your guys's, but we'll see where it goes. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I understand that. I, I kind of have a, a a mix here. And it's a, it was a tough list to come up with because when you think of important, you know, I, I, are you looking at guys this team can't afford to lose? Are you looking at guys who need to step up? Are you looking at maybe the the best players on this on this team? It's a tough list to come up with. I think I did the best I could, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how things are kind of arranged between the three of us. So how do you guys want to do this? Do you want to go one to five or five to one? I always like going uh, from five to I one. I like it. Or yeah, five to one. Finish, finish on All top. Right. Let's let's do that. I'll go ahead and start, and then we'll kind of we'll, we'll snake it. We'll go Anthony next, Chris, then back to me, sort of thing. So, number five, uh, most important for me, and it came down to a couple guys in this number five spot, but I think this is going to be crucial, and it starts on the defensive end. And I feel kind of bad that I'm putting this guy at number five because it's a lot of expectation to come into, but I got to go Dax Hill at number five because you're coming in and you're going to be playing as a true freshman. You know, and you're playing on Don Brown's defense. Obviously, he's touted ton of speed, but you've got to come in and you've got to perform as a true freshman. That is that is a lot of pressure and a lot to live up to. And can he do it? Hopefully. And I'm not saying he has to be the best player out on the field, but he has to be serviceable. He can't be making mental mistakes that true freshmen are generally prone to making. That's why I think... He is so important. If he if he lives up to at least a little bit of the hype that he has coming in, Michigan's defense is going to be fine. But you know, where is the replacement at that safety position if Dax Hill isn't ready to go as a true freshman? That's why I think that's a really make or break position for that Michigan defense here. 
Yeah, no, I I think that's fair. Am I next? Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm I typing uh, out my list. So no, yes, you're good. You're no, I think that's definitely a fair point. I just uh, and a lot of it will depend on how deep this defense is. If they're not that deep, then yeah, they will need somebody like Dax Hill to step up. I also have a hill at my number five spot, but it's Lavert Hill. Uh, I think that last year near the end, and obviously a lot of things went wrong uh, in those last two games, but I think one of the biggest ones was I think Michigan's secondary uh, got exposed. I, I mean, a, a lot of it was uh, inability to, to rush the passer, but I think that uh, they're going to need that secondary to step up this year. Um, and Lavert Hill, along with Josh Metellus, uh, who I almost put on this list, uh, are going to be the leaders of the, of the secondary. And Lavert Hill, he's going to be the this, the Jordan Lewis, you know, role here. What Jordan Lewis was in 2016, he's got to be the guy to step up. And he was fantastic for the most part last year. Uh, I expect he'll be good again this year. He's a guy that can't afford to lose, so I have him uh, as my number five most important player. All right, I can get down with yeah, that. Yeah, I think well. I think Levert um, Hill's going to, you know, I, I think he's going to be good. I guess I wasn't really sure, you know, which way, like Chris pointed out, which way we're doing this list. Like, I don't have any worries about Levert Hill, but I understand he is extremely important. I'm definitely on board with that, Chris. Yeah, I think where my list might differ a little bit is when I, like my definition, and it's fine, like there is no one definition for how this can work. I think my definition of most important is like, the guys who, if they do not perform well, will make or break mm-hmm. the football team. Like not not best players or not guys that you might have the most questions about. Um, that's kind of the angle I'm taking here. Um, I'm going to start out number five on the offensive line. Uh, if this time, I mean, this time last year, or, you know, opening few weeks last year, John Runyon definitely would have been on the list. Uh, he did not play well early on in the year, but I think that as the year went on, um, he was playing some some very good football. So he's off the list. I'm actually going to the other side. I'm going to go right tackle. It's My number five is kind of a tie between Jalen Mayfield and Andrew Stuber. Whoever winds up winning um, that battle, uh, you know, Steven Spinellas could very much kind of, I know he's listed on the depth chart in some of these preview magazines, but it's more Mayfield and Stuber. Um, you know, right tackle at times, you know, has been a disaster for them. Um especially when Juwan Bushel Beatty went down and when he was injured, that was, that was a bit of a problem for them. Um, by all accounts, these two guys have been kind of 50, 50. I think that really that right tackle spot and maybe to a certain extent left tackle, I still do have questions about Runyon, but I think when you look at, I think the only thing that's really holding this back from being a truly elite offensive line in year two under uh, Ed Warner is the unknown of what's going to happen at right tackle. So I would go, uh, tie between those two guys there. That's interesting, man. Because at number, I mean, this goes right into number four for me. I do have John Runyon Jr. as as my number four most important because I, I agree with everything you just said. And it was hard. I wanted to put like the entire offensive line sort of thing, you know, but I figured I, I better not do that. But uh, John Runyon to me, especially in the new offense, I think is is going to be even more vital than he was a year ago. That left tackle position is going to be obviously very important. We don't really know what Josh Gaddis's offense looks like, but he's the guy who anchors the protection of the quarterback. But if it's anything like Chip Kelly's offense, the guards are going to play a huge, you know, uh, part in the offense yeah. too, pulling, getting out in space, and blocking in space. So that's going to be interesting. But I do have John Runyon Jr. at number four on my list. 
Yeah, and I think that the I actually think the interior of that line has a chance to be very, very, very good. And I think that um, if Mike Onwenu is able to, um, you know, kind of keep himself in check weight wise, and I you know he's a great athlete already, I think that could be huge for them. And where my questions with Runyon lie, and you brought up a good point about the new offense. If you are going more spread and up tempo, um, I don't know if he's quite the athlete to get out in space and do some of that. So. Um, not going to change my list now, but that's actually a pretty good, uh, pretty good pick by you. Uh, yeah, no, I, I almost had uh, one of the offensive linemen on my list, but I, I went mainly with the uh, position players, uh, at least on offense. But my, my number four, sticking with another defender, and I got Quiddy Pay. Uh, you know, look, Michigan's defense, the Don Brown defense, is uh, relies heavily on the pass rush um, and the blitz and Quiddy pay, I think uh, stepped up last year, had a much better year. It was between him or Josh Uche, but uh, I, or I'm sorry, not. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yes. Josh Uche. I'm sorry. I, I I've been yeah. screwed. I've, I've had a rough day, but uh, I think Quiddy pay is going to be one of the important pieces of this defense. He's one of the most experienced players on there. Uh, as much as Lavert Hill is going to lead uh, the secondary, I expect uh, him, uh, I, him and Khalid Hudson are probably going to lead the the uh, def, uh, defensive ends and the linebackers. Yeah, I love the pick. I I really do. I agree with uh, the sentiment that you just said. And uh, moving on to number three for me, I'm going to go on the offensive side. Hold on, I have I have my number four. You didn't still. do your number four? Oh no, that's right. Oh my goodness, no, my bad. No, that's right. Yes. Ah, I mean, I kind I kind of cheated. I did two players, but um, yeah, real quick, my number four is a guy that. Uh, Michigan never really was able to replace last year uh, after he was went to the NFL draft, slipped all the way to the fifth round. Somehow Maurice Hurst. I'm going with my number four. My number number four is Michael Dwumfor. Um, I think that he's a guy if he's able to stay healthy, um, you know, especially now that Aubrey Solomon sort of transferred, not sort of transferred out, he transferred out. Um, I think that he has the most upside of any of the defensive tackles they currently have. Uh, I think that. Carlo Kemp could wind up being mm-hmm. pretty good there, but um, you know I think Dwum Four has the potential to have that explosiveness off the snap of the football that um, not quite as good as Maurice Hurst, but kind of in that same mold. And I, I think for as good as that defense was last year, I thought the defensive tackle position left a little. Could bit you imagine so, Mo Hurst on that defense last year? Oh, uh, that was to me. That's the missing. No piece. question. Like because I think that dude, no matter how well Ohio state's offensive line played in that game, that dude would have been in the backfield. Like I have zero doubts. Totally, that. totally agree. So. I think it really probably wouldn't change the entire dynamic of that game. Just that one guy. Cause he was, yeah. Oh, what a monster. All right. Now I'll go to my number three and uh, there's, there's a lot of question marks, uh, you know, with, we, we mentioned with the Josh Gaddis, uh, the new offense, but I think, at the end of the day, there needs to be one guy that you can rely on and injuries to Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones. We don't really know much about those two headed into this year. I think Nico Collins is going to be a huge 
target. You know, every all the talk is speed and space. Nico Collins, he's got some speed, but he doesn't have the Tariq Black or Donovan People Jones speed. But he's a big target, man. At the end of the day, he's a guy you can get the ball to. He can get a first down. He can go up and grab touchdown passes. He's going to be the anchor to the wide receiving core this year with the you know injury doubts that we have with DPJ and Tariq Black. There's a lot of uncertainty. So I think Nico Collins is going to be so vital in anchoring a very good receiving core for Michigan. Yeah, and I, I think you can make the case, too, that, I mean, injuries aside, if there was a guy that could potentially be in the mix to leave after this year, I think that right now he's probably the most NFL-ready of the three of those guys. I just think he kind of does everything well. Um, doesn't necessarily have a trait that sticks out, but I think as a total package, I think that he might be the most – I won't say the most talented or the most upside, but I think he's the most well-rounded of the wide receivers that they have. All right, Chris. Yeah, I also have a wide receiver at my number three spot. Uh, I, the thing is, I think uh, I think Nico Collins is really good. I think DPJ is really good, and I have faith that they'll lead that receiving core, but I, I can't help but get excited at the possibility of having three potential number one receivers on the team. Uh, and that's why I have Tariq Black at number three. I mean, having a deep receiving core, that's like, you know, to go back to baseball, that's like having, you know, three aces uh, in the in your starting rotation. Uh, and I think we, we've seen Nico prove that he's great. We've seen DPJ show a lot of potential. Uh, Tariq Black struggle with injuries, obviously. This has got to be his make or break year. And look, injuries are part of the game. It sucks. But at a certain point, uh, he's just got to step up or maybe he's just going to be one of those guys whose career never really develops because of injuries. But this has got to be the year that he's got to have to prove it. And uh, so that's why I got to. I really hope he doesn't end up as a career what if. Yeah, career what if he doesn't get hurt in that Air Force game. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, sort of like – I mean, he's playing now, but uh, transferred out. Drake Harris was another one that was oh, for sure. all the talent in the world, but just could not, that hamstring just could not stay healthy, could not who stay is on the that, field. Who was that one guy? This was back in the Lloyd era, so I'm going way back. Uh, was it Antonio Bass? Was that his name? He was he wore number 18. They, they like to run the Wildcat with him every so often as a freshman. Is this, am I, is this guy ringing any bells? <laughs> Antonio Bass, yes, former okay, American good. football right. wide receiver who played for the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't want him to end up like that. I, I think he's got too much talent to end up like that. But you know, injuries will kill you. Anthony, you're number three. As your as your dog is oh, going okay. to town. Thirsty. You guys can hear that. Thirsty. She. she okay. Quick sidebar. Okay, I'm not going to do a quick sidebar because she's. I was going to see if she she could slurp throughout the entire story. <laughs> that came out wrong. Um, <laughs> she drinks like like she is. They the rescue told me she was a lab mix, but she is a pure lab because she drinks like a slob and she's got like the web okay. toes. Um, I was really hoping. I tried muting my mic and it just. Um, there's your there's your Harley the dog can. I love I love so, man. So usually you could hear. Usually you could hear the nails like. Cause I do this in my kitchen. I have like a wood floor. You can hear nails like on the, and I've heard it in the podcast before you can hear on the, on the floor and I just can't, I can't edit it out. So she always finds her way in there. This time she's being annoying as hell, but okay. Uh, my number three, I'm going to stick with 
uh, defense, like I said, I was. Um, my number three is a guy who is being hyped. I mean, he's not being hyped. Like he basically will be the heir apparent to Devin Bush, a sideline to sideline linebacker with speed. Uh, my number three is Josh Ross. Uh, I think hmm. that I, I I'm not so sure you. I mean, Devin Bush was the number ten overall pick in in the draft. So is he like is I, he like John B? You don't replace Devin Bush. You just got to fill the shoes, sort of thing. I think they have the guys to replace him. They have athletes who are comparable, but you know, as good a player as instinctual a player as in a lot of ways, the heartbeat of their defense. Um, it just, I have questions about that. And I think how well Josh Ross plays and and how technically sound he is and how disciplined he is, is going to have ripple effects throughout the entire defense. So, um, that's why he's my number. So on to my number two, I'm going with a guy similar to uh, Chris. I think you had, what did you have? Quiddy pay for number four? Yeah, I've uh, yeah. got my number two. I've got Josh Uche as my number two most uh, most important yeah. player because at the end of the day, you've got to replace eight and a half sacks, 22 tackle for losses, and 87 total tackles between Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary at the defensive end positions. Josh Uche actually led the team in sacks a year ago. He had seven. Yeah, he was great. He needs he needs to be even better than that this year because you are losing some serious pass rush. He has to be great this year because the pass rush and taking on double teams, that defensive line is everything in the Don Brown defense. And I think, Josh, that's what makes Josh Uche so important to this team in 2019. Yeah, I think he's going to be huge. I I really think that he's in for a breakout season. And it wouldn't surprise me if come, you know, November into November, mid-November, we're talking about him as, you know, like one of the best defensive players in college football. I think that he's that good. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally cool with that pick as well. Yeah, I I, so I don't have as many questions about it. Like, I, I just assume he's going to be great. So I, I, did, I did that because he needs yeah. to be great sort of thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, no, for sure. It, it wouldn't shock me if he didn't have as many sacks this year just because uh, last year Michigan's defense had so many weapons. Uh, I think this year you're going to see Uche probably – get a bit more attention, but that'll open it up for other guys. I think he'll have just as big an impact on the game, even if he doesn't have as many sacks, but uh, he's yeah. a fun player to watch. I like him a lot. Uh, my number two, I guess I'm cheating a little bit, but I, I, I it's between uh, Christian Turner and Zach Charbonnet, whoever the starting running back is going to be um, for this team. Uh, I, I think that's I would say maybe the biggest question mark, you know, the defense, obviously it has some guys to replace, but I think for the most part, we believe that they're going to end up being pretty solid. Uh, the offense seems pretty legit. Um, but the one part that's lacking is you lose Karan Higdon. Chris Evans, obviously gone now and suspended. Uh, who knows if he'll ever come back, but, uh, you have these two guys now that everyone says has a ton of potential, but I think last year, the offense, uh, was at its best when uh, it ran through Karan Higdon. Now things may be different this year with the new type of offense that might be, might be implemented, but uh, you need a solid running attack. And uh, Michigan, for eons, has uh, has got had 
solid production uh, from the running back position, and uh, they're going to need that again this year. So whichever one of those two guys emerge as uh, the starting running back, I think I have them as, at my number two spot. Yeah, and regardless of how up-tempo this offense is, or you know, it, it, regardless of what this offense looks like, if you're up like 10 to 14 points in the last you know 10 minutes of the game, it's going to be hammer time, and it's going to be run the football, kill clock, break the other team, you know, basically be the closer, so to speak. Yeah. This is a baseball themed episode. So yeah, whoever, whether it's those two or, or true Wilson or whomever. Uh, yeah, that's huge. I didn't have either of those guys on my list, but my list was also done like two seconds before we started this, but also um, very nearly like that was the first thing that popped in my head, but I just went another direction. So who you got at, wait, who did you have at number uh, two, Anthony? Uh, oh, okay. I, I was when you said I went in a different direction. I was like, "Wait, did I miss something here?" No, 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 no. Um, my number two is probably. I won't say it's a hot take. Uh, it's not a hot take. It's your. You got him at number Shane two. Patterson. They're gonna go with. I have a number oh, two. Wow. Yes. I, I have him at number two. Um, sort of because I wanted to be different, but also because. In the same vein, he's more of a known commodity. Like I just assume yeah. that he's going to be, he will be steady for them. Uh, I think anyone, there's not going to be a quarterback battle. Uh, he's going to be the, I mean, they're going to always technically battle, but he's going to be the starting quarterback. This offense is tailor made for him. Um, and, and the reason I actually consider not having him on the list at all, because, but, but the reason he's there is I think that, I don't think him playing like, I think he could play as well as he did last year or whatever you want to call how he played last year. And they'll still be pretty good and be okay. But I think what we talk about is this team going to win the big 10. Is this team going to beat Ohio state? Is this team going to go to the college football playoff? Uh, He, he has to be great for them to do that. Like that's, you know, it's as simple as that. We can't do this, you know, I'm just throwing the numbers out there. We can't we can't do the 18 touchdown, five interception dance and be talking about this team going to Indy. Like he's gonna have to bring some more to the table. I think this offense will, is is tailored for him to do that. I expect more, but if he does any, you know, I expect him to improve on last year. But if we're talking about him in you know heading into these big games as a potential Heisman candidate, yeah, then then he is Michigan is in great. Yeah, shape. I, so I I agree with everything you just said. I mean. I had Shea, I have Shea Patterson as my number one most important player, and honestly, you could have put five spaces uh, in between him and Josh Uche as, as, yeah. as my number two yeah. because <laughs> this team is going to go as Shea Patterson goes. At the end of the day, if Michigan wants to have the season that they want to have, Shea Patterson, like I'm, like I don't want him to be Matt Barkley or Jake Locker, you know, guys that you know, have a decent season, have a little hype, come back and just lay an egg. You know, even Sam Darnold his senior year kind of kind of laid an egg. So I'm a little bit worried about that. I'm not I'm gonna be honest with you. Like this, but this team is gonna go as Shea Patterson goes. He is by far the most important player to Michigan's success in twenty nineteen. Dylan McCaffrey, gonna be a good player for Michigan. He's not there yet. Like if if they lose Shea Patterson or yeah. if he doesn't perform Ultimately, Michigan's not going to reach its goals. Shea Patterson is 100% for me the most important player on this team. Well, here's 
here's maybe the reason that I diff like I don't I kind of disagree with you in that um I mean obviously I do because he's at number two, <laughs> not number one, like you have him. But I do think there's a ch- like I don't think that he's gonna be a play gonna play poorly enough to get benched, but if he was to get, you know, injured and you had to replace someone late in the year, like I had I think that there's a chance that they would be okay because I think the quarterbacks that they have are still pretty talented. Now, would it be a situation where a kid comes in, Dylan McCaffrey comes in and leads them to a national title like Cardale Jones did? Probably not, but I feel like there's a better chance of that happening than maybe not happening in that scenario. So I guess I guess my having Shea down the list a little bit is more like I think they're okay at quarterback. Um might not be it all depends on how he plays leading up to that point. But um, you know, if he's great and he's thrown thirty touchdowns and two picks and you know, four thousand yards or whatever, like yeah, that's huge. But knowing what we do about him and, and the quarterback room and, and given that it's late in the year too, um, if something were to happen in my scenario in my head, I, I think that they would be decently okay there. But that could be a hot take. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I got Shea at number one as well. And I think, look, part of it, and enough time has passed now, these kids have kind of grown up, but look, since Chad Henney, I I think we kind of got to admit, Michigan's had a pretty shitty run of quarterbacks. Like, I mean, you know, even the ones, the quote-unquote good ones, like Denard was an incredible athlete, you know, brought a lot of excitement to the program, good kid, like – very few complaints, but is there anyone who's really going to argue that Denard Robinson was a good quarterback, like like a legit under center, go out and, and sling it type of quarterback? No, he wasn't. He worked well enough for the system they had. Um, Devin Gardner fell apart. I don't necessarily blame that on him, to be honest. And this they is broke him. oh, completely. Yeah. Uh, but to be honest, and this is going to sound nuts. Uh, I think probably in the since Chad Henney. Uh, and before Shea Patterson, the Michigan quarterback who I thought had the most potential as a passer was probably Tate Forcier. And I mean, Jesus, that was, what, 10 years ago? And there's probably a lot of people who follow me on Twitter who don't even know that name. That was so, exactly 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is I think Shea, people realize with Shea that he is the most talented quarterback Michigan's had in a decade. Uh, we've seen flashes of, of of greatness from him, and I think this is the year where a lot of people, all us included, believe that if the the offense is going to open up more, and I think part of the reason, besides the fact that uh, they they just get stagnant and when they get behind, is the fact that I think you finally have a quarterback that Harbaugh and Josh Gaddis are going to trust that they can run, uh, a, you know, a quicker offense around. And I think Shea Patterson is that guy. Um, I There's what he was last year, and there's the Heisman candidate that some people believe he can be. I think he'll fall somewhere in the middle. Will that be good enough to help bring this team a, a Big Ten championship? Who knows? But I think at some point this season, Shea Patterson is going to be called upon to win a football game for Michigan. Maybe it'll be Notre Dame. Maybe it'll be Penn State. Maybe it'll be Ohio State. Uh, and he's going to have to answer the call and we'll see if he's up to it. I think he, did, I think he is. I think he's talented enough to, uh, we'll see. It's, it's going to be a fun season. I, I agree 100%. Chris, I, I think Shay 
incredibly important. And Anthony, you obviously think Shea is in- incredibly important too because you have him at number two on your list, but I am incredibly curious as to who you have at number one. Yeah, this could be misguided, but again, I'm striving to be different, uh, trying to break the mold, break the wheel. That did so not work out, uh, to by quote, the way. Uh, at least for her, at least for Denarius. No. no. Um, <laughs> quick little Game of Thrones. When when they said Brand the Broken, when those three words Yuck. came out, I nearly hurled stick, stick with the baseball thing. I nearly hurled my remote through the TV like like it was a fastball. Like I I just couldn't do it. Um, yeah, uh, my biggest concern about this team heading into this season is, as I said, to lead this all off, kind of the defense, um, namely the back end of the defense. Uh, I know Dax Hill comes in as a five-star, you know, tr- freshman. We expect him to be an impact guy right away, but um, I have questions about the safety position. I think that Lavert Hill is good at cornerback. Um uh, He's, he's your number one guy, but I think the guy who might make or break that cornerback room is Ambry Thomas. Uh, I, I know that he's at number he's one. His, wow. At number one. I know he is number one. So maybe that's kind of a cop. Oh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> I just think that I, you know, Michigan cornerbacks have done a really nice job. Like the David Longs, the Jordan Lewis's of the world, uh, Channing Stribling have kind of taken away half the field, but not necessarily had like the playmaking ability. Uh, I think that he can do both, um, but if he doesn't play well, I have I have some major concerns about the cornerbacks. I, I do. I won't lie. Um, no, I just don't think there's a whole lot there. So if it's Levert, if it's just Levert Hill and everyone else, that concerns me far more than you know. I think they'll be able to put together a pass rush. I think the linebackers will be um, aggressive. Uh, and play with speed, but the back end of the defense, I really can see them, you know, definitely early on being a little bit leaky and having some problems. I, I think they will develop, but um, going into the year, that's my biggest concern. And and to me, the face of those concerns is the number two cornerback uh, in, in Ambry Thomas. So not necessarily heaping pressure on him, just that I think that behind Lavert Hill, he's kind of the most known of what's there. So, uh, I think he needs to play very well. And I think that could, you know, if, if the back end of that defense is leaky, you might have an Ohio, you know, not that Ohio State's going to put up 70 on you, but um, they still have athletes there, regardless of who they're losing, who they lost the NFL. Um, if those guys can run past you and they're having their, their way with you, it's, we're going to be talking about another, you know, another crapping of the bed uh, come, come November. So, um, my number one is Ambry Thomas, but really, it's the second. You know what, Anthony? You did a really good job of backing that up. I still think Shea Patterson's the most important player, but you know what? That was that was very well done. Kudos to you, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> so Yay. that'll uh, that'll uh, just about wrap it up. Any <laughs> final thoughts from you guys from uh, from the show today? Well, uh, I, go ahead. Uh, Chris. It, Mine is we, stupid as hell, so go ahead. No, we forgot to bring up one thing, guys, and I hate to end it on kind of a sour note, but uh, there was a really horrible injury uh, to a former Michigan basketball player just a couple days ago. And uh, with uh, Charles Matthews tearing his ACL at a workout with the Celtics, I believe. Um, And, uh, 
you know, Brendan Quinn of the athletic was reporting that, uh, he had been starting to move up draft boards. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I think I was, I was extremely critical of Charles Matthews when he was at Michigan. Um, and even, even I'll admit, I, it, I'm, I might've gone a little far in a few places. <laughs> um, You're an entertainer. Right. I know, but you know, look, I, 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 I never questioned the guy's effort. Um, I Listen, thought, you weren't you weren't cheering the injury like fans in Toronto were cheering for Kevin Durant. No, like, of course not. And when I heard the news, did it, that like that's almost n- nightmarish to me. Like it just the idea of being so close to something that you've basically worked your entire life to get, and to have it literally ba- essentially one step rip up your entire world. That stinks. I mean, that absolutely stinks. And I'm, I'm heartbroken for Charles Matthews. So, I mean, there's really not much to say about it, except it stinks. Now, I, Charles, I'm sure he's yeah. devastated. I will bring up one thing and this is, uh, I hope I'm not the only one who thought this, but I'm going to say it anyway. When you initially heard the news, my first reaction was that stinks. Um, that's heartbreaking. I hope I wish the guy the best. Am I the only one who had this kind of instant bulb go off in my thick skull that went, well, could he, come I thought, back? I thought the deadline was May 29th. Like, right. And I, I believe it was. And so it, it, it uh, you know, kind of went, you know, went through my head and I don't know if he even had any more eligible, uh, he did have one season uh, if he chose to, but if you have a torn ACL, you're going to be out for the year. So. Exactly. That was, that's what I was thinking. And then you're getting into potentially uh, asking for a medical redshirt for a sixth year. And that's, so that would, that would just be uh, nuts. But uh, yeah, obviously uh wish to do the best. Absolutely stinks. Um, ACL injuries and Tommy John, man, those are the two. Whenever I hear those, uh, a chill runs down my spine because they, they can come up on anyone and, uh, no matter how how well you take care of yourself, yeah. and uh, it just sucks. So, yeah. wish the guy the wish best. Wish the best, man. Yeah, yeah. I feel kind of guilty because my initial reaction, uh, and maybe this is a little bit mean, but it was also kind of like surprised that he hadn't torn his ACL sooner. Just think of some of the ways that early on in his Michigan Michigan career, he'd like land after a jumping or yeah. just awkward, um, like Bambi slipping on ice. So, yeah. Um, that was a small little thought. Maybe that's kind of a, a dick thing to say, but no, I mean, yeah, that's I, the, absolutely. I, I I'm crushed for him because yeah. um, he was never going to come back anyways. So it's not like people just, Oh, well made a mistake. Shouldn't come back. Like, right. Yeah. The dude was, who's to say that he wouldn't push himself in another, you know, summer of camp Sanderson, come back to school, tears ACL. And then he's done period. Like there are no NBA workouts. There aren't anything. But the thing that sucks for him is that, He's a player that where explosiveness and his athleticism is so important to his game. And I'm sorry, like I know that into with modern medicine and, and modern recovery stuff, you can come back fairly normal from a torn ACL, but like only a few guys have ever really done that. And you definitely lose something like everyone says, well, Adrian, this is the one where people lose me. Well, Adrian Peterson came back from a torn ACL and ran for 2000 yards. It's right. Like, he's Adrian freaking Peterson. Like he's, specimen like that's just not how it works for everyone so um man i hope that i mean all i can really do is 
because he's not going to get drafted now. No, he's but not, but I think he I think he happen. showed enough in, in some of the workouts and stuff that someone's going to take a chance on him, probably with a two way contract. So at, at least he had that. Right. You'll you'll see him in you'll, you'll see yep. him uh, in summer league in the G League somewhere in 2020. Um, I would hope so. Um, and again, it's all going to you know who knows how bad the damage is or. or some guys just don't come back from that. So I, I hope I hope for his sake he gets a chance because it would it would, it's just a nice little one more feather in the cap of you know John Beeline players that have gotten to and played in the NBA. So um yeah, that absolutely blows for him. I'm so, no question, I'm so man. It it that. sucks, but at the end of the day, part of the game, you know, so I wish him nothing but the best and hopefully we'll see him soon like you said in the summer league the g league well we probably won't see him in the summer league with a torn acl but uh hopefully at some point uh in the g league coming up here or maybe even in the nba because man he is a defensive prowess out there and a lot of length that can uh, can be used on the perimeter so that'll about wrap it up for us here on brewcast we'll have the guys shout out uh, where you can find them on social media start with you chris All right, you guys can find me on the Twitter sphere. That's at Castellani2014. That's at C A S T E L L A N I 2014. I'm on there all the time, guys. Always engaging with my followers, always talking sports. So please give me a follow there. Uh, the link to my uh, YouTube channel is in, there, uh, is in my Twitter bio as well. I need to upload something there one of these days. Uh, my Snapchat is the same as my Twitter handle. And if you want to see me on Instagram, that is ChrisCastle95. That's C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-T-L-E-9-5. Please give me a follow on all those Anthony, platforms. Anthony, my man. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, well, thanks to Brian from Perfect Game for joining us on the show. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Follow the show at Brewcast Show. Follow the website at Maze and Brew. Uh, as far as our podcast goes, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Um, also, RIP iTunes. Apparently, they're going to be discontinuing yeah, that. I think we're just on Apple Podcasts or whatever. Uh, but I just need. Yeah, I mean, it's not done yet, but um, no, just RIP. Never forget all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll be back. Back next week. Good to good to good to. You can uh, find me on Twitter. Go give me a follow at Luke Giardi, L U K E G H I A R D I. As Anthony mentioned, make sure you follow the Brewcast Show page page at Brewcast Show. And uh, can't wait until we get into football season. But a lot of fun summer action and go blue in the College World Series. We'll see you next time on Brewcast. Brewcast.